Welcome to the latest episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. It's time for Sign of the Times, Prince's double album masterpiece from 1987. On this episode, we'll be talking about the album's opener, the title track, Sign of the Times. For the first time on the show, I will be joined by two guest hosts, podcast regular Laura Tebert and podcast newcomer Alex Hahn. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad to have you both on. This is, like I said, uh, uncharted territory for me on the show to have two guests at the same time. I think it'll go really well. And this is kind of the song to do it, in my opinion. It's a really um, socially conscious type of song, something new that Prince hadn't really done a whole lot of, at least not to this level of depth, in my opinion. And it's um, you know a very key track off of one of Prince's key albums, I think. you know, I mean, most people would cite Sign of the Times as one of his... Uh, most memorable, one of their favorites, just a very um, standout album in his discography. It's very long discography. So I think this is going to be a really, really cool episode, and I'm excited to have you both on. So, Laura, listeners should know you by now, as you've been on for many, you know, a year at least, if not more, ever since the Dirty Mind album. So they they already know you. Alex, this is your first time on the show, so if you wouldn't mind just um, introducing yourself and maybe providing a little bit of a background as to your history with Prince and maybe more specifically your history with this song, if you have any notable memories you wanted to share. Yeah, sure. So, so thanks, Jason. So my own background is I've written uh, two books about Prince. Uh, the most recent one was written with Laura, which was called The Rise of Prince, 1958 to 1988. It was a total collaboration uh, between the two of us, which we sort of uh, started, uh, you know, the the impetus of it was after Prince, you know, so untimely uh, passed away, uh, we sort of got together and and pulled this book together in, in relatively short order, quite short order. Um, and so that was, you know, great experience. And uh, you know, in terms of, of people that want to know more about sort of what I'm doing in, in upcoming projects and to some extent, Laura, as well, we have a Facebook group called Make the House Shake. Uh, so if you want to look for that on Facebook, um, we will, uh, you know, I have ongoing updates about sort of what I'm doing. And I think Laura's going to be updating people on various of her endeavors, too. So that would be awesome to, to visit us there. Um, if you want to know more, because I do have a sort of a, another book that's in process, it's been in process uh, for a while. So so that's sort of what um, my background in history is, you know, relative to Prince. Of course, there's so much more to that, but that's sort of the as far as like my sort of quasi professional uh, avocations, that's pretty much what it is. OK, great. And so do you have any memories about listening to this song or hearing the song back when it came out that you wanted to share? Yeah. Well, so I, I sort of I suggested this idea of kind of did you want to ask us about, uh, you know, our first sort of memory of the song? And it just struck me the reason for that, that me suggesting that is at least with some of Prince's songs, I have very distinct memories. So, you know, the, uh, the I guess I do certainly have distinct memories of, of, of hearing certain print songs for the first time. And, you know, I think we all associate, um, you know, sort of having memories of a specific time and a place, often when it's something, you know, tragic. Uh, you know, we, we all remember sort of where we were when 9-11 occurred. For that matter, we all remember where we were when, when Prince died. 
but um, you know, much more benignly, just sort of the the gravity and sort of the intensity of a lot of Prince's songs. I do have, you know, sort of similar recollections of you know where was I, what was I doing when I first heard a song. I mean, my and and I'll get to sign of the times. My story on and Kiss, I think, is more memorable because it was I was in college. And I was uh, shaving. No, I think I was brushing my teeth using like an electric toothbrush, which is rather noisy. Um, but there was music playing in the background. And I heard, you know, some sort of weird, unusual sound. You know, I had no idea it was Prince, but I'm like, what the fuck is that? Because it just sounded so unusual. And I came out and then could hear, you know, that it was Prince and everything. But it was just like so shocking because the production of the song is so sort of unusual um, and, and really bracing and immediate that I sort of have that distinct memory. Sign of the Times, I also have a pretty clear memory of sort of hearing it um, in, a, in a car, you know, over like a very bad car radio. This would have been, um, you know, whatever it first came out. This was released in what, like 1987? Seven. 1987 so you know car radios were were at least mine were not i mean it wasn't my car i don't even think i knew how to drive at that point but um it was uh you know sort of a poor fidelity car radio and i was like is this prince or is this sort of someone trying to sound like prince uh but then on listening more clearly uh it was it was it was clear that it was prince and i was like this sounds really really unusual um, and then, of course, listen to the song a few more times. The one thing that there's many things that struck me about the song, something that struck me about it that I don't know if anyone really would agree with me on this or if anyone's ever said this before. But the um, the line in the song when he goes, oh, why? Oh, why sign of the times, you know, that part of the song, mm -hmm. yep. at least on first listen, that to me sounded like it was out of key. Um, and to some extent, it still does. Uh, I, I'm more inclined, you know, having, you know, a heard the song so many more times and also no one else having said this to think to, to sort of think that it was intentional. But it did. That's what I thought at the time. And I thought you know, this is really great because, and I remember telling friends of mine, like in the punk rock community, because I was in a punk rock band at the time saying like, okay, you know, this is one of the cool things about Prince is he will, um, you know, deliberately, you know, not fix things. Like if he makes mistakes in the recording process, a lot of the times he will, will leave them in. Now, like I say, I don't know if this really would qualify as a mistake. It does have a slight atonality to, to me, but that was sort of my first thought was, was it was a mistake. And, you know, there are, of course, many examples of this, including on the record sign of the times where there were mistakes. And by the way, and I'll shut up after this, probably the most notable example of this um, and uh, I don't know if many people have talked about this, but the song I Hate You, I don't know if anyone's listened to that for, for a long time, but if you listen to it, he starts the guitar solo in entirely the wrong key. Um, and and le le he left that in. It's like a clear, clear mistake. But so that, that was one of the things, I don't know if it was intended as a mistake, 
but you know the imperfections of of his music is really notable and i think it's fair to say that that uh, you know the song um even if that's not an imperfection you know it does sound like a pretty imperfect song it sounds rather dashed off uh which is one of the things that's really great about it um you know and a lot of that music on sign of the times um is sloppily recorded but uh that's to the benefit of it i think yeah i think overproduction was something that some people had been at the time kind of um pointing to prince after parade so parade was a very produced album in many ways maybe you know kiss is fairly sparse but there's a lot of like songs with the 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 clara fisher orchestra added and uh, some of the songs are really busy with a lot of sound effects and things. Not to say there isn't, because there's still quite a few sound effects in Sign of the Times. Uh, the Fairlight uh, provided Prince an opportunity to add some new sound effects to his music, and so uh, he took advantage of that for sure. But this is definitely a song that I would say falls into the category of kind of sparse production, and that it, it I think it, and I think Prince is even put it on record as saying like i just want the focus to be on the lyrics how do i do that by kind of stripping away a lot of the uh, production techniques and bells and whistles that can sometimes bog down songs not just print songs songs in general that you know are really intended to be super produced and glossy and what have you that's not this song at all so i, I definitely agree with that all right, so thank you for sharing that, Alex. Uh, Laura, really kind of the same question, if you don't mind answering it yourself. What kind of memories do you have in pertaining to Side of the Times, if you want to share them? If not, you can always pass. But <laughs> No, <laughs> I'll share. I'll share. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> have a specific memory, but I would gander a, a guess that I was likely in a bar dancing with an amaretto sour sour in my hand when i first heard this song because that i think i didn't hear so much prince on the radio all the time i was um at that time i was you know going to school in a very small town in rural iowa and i had come well actually alex this is something jason and i and i have in common is that we're from central wisconsin and i had come from again a very small rural town in central wisconsin so um i'm pretty sure where where i would have heard this was in a bar in a club dancing with friends so that um, that's where I would have heard Sign of the Times. But it is, you know, to both of your points, it is that kind of stripped down funk that so many people just love from Prince and um, and a very topical song that I cannot wait to dive into because it just feels so relevant right now. You know, just the, um, I'm sure you both listen to um, or, or, or maybe you both listened to the podcast that the Prince Estate put out when Sign of the Times Deluxe came out, and um, it was excellent, excellent, hosted by Andrea Swenson of The Current. And on that podcast, Susanna Melvoin said that um, she was with Prince in Los Angeles when an earthquake hit. It was 
I think it was July 1986. And uh, okay, okay, I'm getting that story right. And he was so upset. I mean, it was such a disturbing, frightening experience. Um, And uh, that was, he was so upset that that helped, that was kind of the, what spurred him to write Sign of the Times. And I think right now, you know, we're sort of collectively in one of those moments, right, where it's just something bigger than all of us that's out of our control, you know, this global pandemic that's so tragic just shakes you to your core, you know, mm-hmm. and and then I think that uh, there's another addition to the story where Susanna said Gilbert, um, his, his bodyguard then um, brought in a newspaper and there were headlines, AIDS and, you know, the Challenger, all these things. And, and that was really what spurred the writing of Sign of the Times. So um, that's my memory. It's not as specific as Alex's, but <laughs> I, do, I do like the, the thought of dancing in a, in a club, drink in hand to Sign of the Times. Yeah. Yeah. That's a kind of a, I mean, cool memory. I think, you know, dancing in a, to the song in the club. I don't know if some of the um, the focus of the lyrics is really evident when you're, you know, it's booming in the club and you're maybe not paying attention closely to what he's saying and just more about the beat. You probably picked up some stuff. It's hard to ignore and hard to miss. It's not like it's hidden. Uh, the, the social commentary is in your face, so it's impossible to miss if you're paying attention at all. But then again, in a club, sometimes you're not really paying attention to the to the lyrics of a song that you're listening to. So it might have been one of those songs where you heard it and, you know, maybe took a few listens to kind of really grasp what was being said. I know it, it did for me, speaking for myself. Um, so my story isn't that interesting or exciting either. Uh, it was definitely a song I heard on the radio. I mean, it was I was going to get to this, but I'll just mention it now. I mean, it was a pretty big, pretty big uh, hit um, on the pop charts. It went to number three, went to number one on the R&B charts. So it, it had a lot of success in the United States, at least on the charts despite its uh you know kind of heavy lyrical content and social commentary that was being uh used you know as the basis of the song's lyrics and that's you know i mean there had been songs that had done that before i mean i think it's kind of like a an 80s update i've seen it likened to of course uh, marvin Gaye's what's going on or you know something by stevie wonder living for the city uh, I thought of those off the top of my head, and then when I just started doing some research, I realized I was not alone in that. <laughs> I'd seen several people cite those two songs specifically as being, you know, kind of um, some previous examples of social commentary on from, um, you know, like a, a pop artist or an R&B artist. So uh, I think it did really well, and I heard it on the radio. I heard it on the radio. The the video is it's just a lyric video, which really wasn't much of a thing back then. I mean, MTV was in its its boon, its heyday in the mid-80s, mid to late 80s. And so to put a video out there with very minimal production value, not putting Prince front and center, uh, showing him off, showing off his band or his dancers or whatever, that was kind of a um, a risky move, I think. Uh, I mean, his Prince's videos, in my opinion, yeah you know take them or leave them in some cases some are very iconic and some are just like oh okay i don't think you really spent a lot of time uh, thinking about that and what i think of it off the top of my head is paisley park video interesting video but i wouldn't say that it was anything that uh, people were really clamoring for from prince in 1985 and this is a very similar one but again the, with a lyric video what's what are you focusing on you're not 
you're not being distracted by all the the, the visual um, lights and um, you know interesting uh, set designs and prints himself. You're you're looking right at the lyrics. So hey, what do you want to know what the song's about? Let me show you. <laughs> And uh, I don't remember seeing it, though. That's the thing. I don't really remember seeing the video. I remember seeing the video for You Got the Look a ton on MTV. That was all over the place. I heard Sign of Times on the radio. I never really remember seeing the video. So maybe it was one of those situations where MTV showed it a bit, but because it wasn't a popular video and it really didn't fit their programming um, designs, it probably didn't get the same amount of play as some more interesting videos like a, a white snake video or something like that would have gotten at that time so so thank you both for sharing that and yes absolutely sunset Stown. that's where he recorded the song in 1986 in summer of 86 so i think um you know laura you kind of already started leading us down the path of talking about lyrics so let's do it in france a skinny man died of a big disease with a little name by chance his girlfriend came across a needle and soon she did the same At home there were 17 year old boys and their idea of fun Is being in a gang called the Disciples High on Crack Toting a machine gun very first verse of the song goes in france a skinny man died of a big disease with a little name by chance his girlfriend came across a needle and soon she did the same at home there are 17 year old boys and their idea of fun is being in a gang called the disciples high on crack toting a machine gun then he repeats time time that's the first verse and wow i mean i think that very first line in france a skinny man died of a big disease with a little name is a really powerful impactful memorable first line for a prince song for any for any song for any artist uh what do you guys think about like that line specifically or this verse generally yeah i mean i you know it's a it's interesting looking at this song because the you know jason you and i have talked about other songs that have lyrics that are kind of open to interpretation you know or evocative and we get to sort of you know debate what does this mean whereas i feel like sign of the times is it's just so um specific and intentional right every word and and i think that's how the song opens and you know with a reference to the aids crisis and um the way that you know the disease was tragically spreading you know inadvertently and you know also the you know the problems with gangs and the gangster disciples i think was the you know, was the gang he's referring to. So we just, um, we open, it's almost like the curtain opens on this like dystopian picture of, mm -hmm. you know, the state of the union. Yep, exactly. That's uh, like you had mentioned already, the, uh, the headlines for the LA times that is, um, cited as the inspiration that Susanna Melvoin had, talk to uh, Andrea about in the official Prince podcast. Those were right there as you, as you talked about, you know, the, the AIDS crisis, you know, trying to find funding for, um, you know, trying to develop a, a cure or any kind of uh, medicine that could help people who are dying. And, and I, and I think it was really progressive and kind of cool that um, Prince mentions this and he mentions girlfriend came across the needle and soon she did the same because that what that does is that doesn't paint 
HIV and AIDS is only a, a gay disease, only affecting the gay community. It, it is indicating um, and maybe kind of teaching some people who were maybe a bit afraid of, of it that there's other ways that you can contract the disease. And yeah, there had been some high-profile cases of individuals that had contracted the disease through blood transfusions. Um, so it was becoming more common knowledge, I would say, that it isn't just a gay disease as it might have been um, reported as early on. But to put that out there in a song really kind of puts a little more weight behind it and also may, may teach some people something new. And, if, oh, I didn't I didn't realize that you could get, you know, HIV from sharing a, a needle, if, you know, from a, if you're a drug addict or even if you're just, like I said, in a in a hospital receiving a blood transfusion. So it's uh, it, which also makes it more a little more scary than two, because then it it opens up the, the potential risk to a larger population. Uh, so I like that line. Uh, Alex, what um, what are your thoughts on the first verse? So, um, you know, it's interesting. I guess my thoughts would be a little more sort of free form. Um, you know, I guess these lyrics are visceral. Um, they are visceral. And, and I guess when I did hear it early on, they did have some impact on me. You brought up like living in the city and say Marvin Gaye, inner city blues. I would draw a complete contrast or at least a pretty strong contrast between this song in those songs for, in two respects. I mean, one is that um, those songs, uh, they really, the, the narrator lives in the experience essentially of those songs. They're, they're much more visceral to me than this is, it's interesting, you know, to hear in the current about, you know, he sort of read these uh, headlines to some extent, it sounds like he's writing what he read. And I don't mean to trivialize it at all, because, again, I, I do. Your point about the AIDS epidemic is fascinating, and I never really thought about that. And I think it's a really good point. But to me, like Sign of the Times as a song, like I don't want to discount the value of the lyrics, that they're visceral and they're very different for Prince. But to me, the song exists. The, it's sort of like the way the music is really startling and the way he delivers the lyrics and the vocal. I think it's a very, very skillful and interesting vocal performance. So if you, if you put in sort of a hierarchy to me of what's interesting about this song, the top would be just the, the musical the, the, the musical value of it, you know, as a song in its totality. Second would be the vocal performance. And third would be the lyrics, which I think are still, you know, very, very relevant and interesting for the reasons we discussed. But I would definitely draw a contrast between it and those other songs you mentioned. I also, although I'm open to being somewhat challenged on this, and I feel I already have been by your, your remarks, I don't find this song to be politically progressive um for reasons which we'll get into in a later verse uh but i do find that um you know like living in the city and and inner city blues are born of they're much more politically progressive and they're born of a much more viscerally understood um experience of the lyrics 
you know, Prince was immersed in his music and, you know, it's sort of like to the extent current events were peaking their way in, you know, it took a lot to have something impact him. Um, and these events certainly did. And, and, and I don't mean to discount that when I heard this, you know, you see the imagery of the challenger and you see, you know, all of that. Um, so I don't want to discount the value of the lyrics, but I would just, I guess those would be sort of some of my observations, which may be a little out of step with how some people think about this. No, it's uh it's good insight. And it's, um, I think it's interesting your comment about that and how it compares to the the songs from the seventies, because yeah, I, honestly, Prince was not living in an area where he had to worry about gang activity. Right. I mean, that wasn't something that, affected him personally i don't think i don't know this for a fact but it seems it seems unlikely that he was personally dealing with uh, family members that were maybe living in rough parts of minneapolis that were still affected by gang violence all around them or having so yeah he might have had some experiences with that in the 70s growing up but by 1987 not so much um and you know with the um, the aids epidemic I guess, I mean, anybody who is a sexually active person in the 80s had to kind of be aware of it and know that it uh, could affect them if they were not taking precautions. But, yeah, I mean, same time, I don't know how much he was thinking about it as a, as a personal risk to himself prior to, you know, seeing this on the headlines and on the LA Times. I don't, I don't know if he was like, man, you know, I, I really need to tone down my behavior. I... I'm I'm at risk here. I have no idea, but you know, just something to think about. If he was or wasn't, regardless, um, your point is is valid, and I I do appreciate that perspective as well. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention personally, and and I'll open it up one more time to the both of you, is just you know that talking about the gangs, and and again, it's 1987. This is really at the cusp of um, gangster rap, reality rap, whatever you want to call it. The, yeah, the message by um, Grandmaster Flash and Millie Mel had been released a few years prior, but the the gangster rap as we knew it to become, like the um, the street reporter type uh, hip hop and rap that was that was going to become very popular very soon from your likes of Ice T and N.W.A. Public Enemy. In 1986, when he was recording this, it was a it really wasn't uh, a genre, an, um, a subgenre of hip hop. It really wasn't. Um, Ice T cites uh, Schoolie D's "PSK What Does It Mean" as being kind of like the very first gangster rap song. Ice T's uh, debut album came out in '87, so for Prince to be talking about gangs and gang violence, and even if it's just a line in a song, it's not a song that's dedicated to talking about and speaking about gang violence, but it's it's a line in a song, and it's a line in a song that is on a you know released as a first single. It's not even buried, you know, as a is a deep cut on an album. It's the opening track. It's the title song for him to throw a line like that in this song, I think was, I think was fairly progressive. I can't think of too many pop songs that were really doing something like this and speaking about things like this at the time. And, and, and once again, I am not the expert on all genres of every music. So I'm sure somebody can think of an, an example of where that was done uh, previously that, um, you know, maybe more effectively even, but I, I'm failing to come up with some examples. I'm certainly open to anybody challenging me on that for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, so in terms of progressive, I don't mean that uh, I was more referring to sort of um, the nature of the political statement. I don't think is progressive, but in in sort of the sort of liberal slash conservative meaning of the term progressive, as far as it being sort of more um, forward thinking in terms of, of, you know, making reference to these types of topics. I don't disagree at all. It, so, so, you know, you're, you're the gangster rap stuff, the street reporting, you're absolutely right, was still yet to happen. I mean, I guess you could say the message, uh, the grand grandmaster flash song, the message, but um, you, you, this was not, you know, fall, following in the footsteps of other musicians talking about this stuff. You know, it was fairly brave and bracing to sort of come out in a lead single and be talking about these things. Absolutely. So if, if we're using progressive in the broader sense of sort of was this, a re, did it have an original quality to, you know, absolutely. I think it's fair to credit the lyrics and the lyrical approach with having, you know, a pretty strong degree of originality for, for a mainstream pop song. Uh, yeah. You know, absolutely. You know, for the guy who, you know, Purple Rain, you know, a couple of years back, <laughs> I mean, it was like a big growth from that as far as lyrical content. So I would say, for sure, you know, yeah, I mean, if this song were written like after Straight Out of Compton was released, I wouldn't really be thinking about it. And so I think your point is extremely well taken that it sort of preceded all of that. Yeah, not by much, but just just enough, just enough yeah. to kind of put Prince on the the cutting edge in that regard. And and he's just dipping his toes in it. It's not like this whole song is about um, you know gang violence and and really speaking to the whys behind it or getting real deep into the subject matter. But it's just like I said, dipping his toes. Hurricane and it rips ceiling off a church and kill everyone inside. You turn on the telly and every other story is telling you somebody died. Sister killed a baby because she couldn't afford to feed it. It was sending people to the moon. In September, my cousin tried reefer for the very first time. Now he's doing horse. It's June. Alright, the second verse then, because he goes right into the next verse. He doesn't have a chorus yet at this point. Hurricane Annie ripped the ceiling off a church and killed everyone inside. You turn on the telly and every other story is telling you somebody died. My sister killed her baby because she couldn't afford to feed it and we're sending people to the moon. In September, my cousin tried reefer for the very first time. Now he's doing horse. It's June. Alright, so the next verse, it's kind of following the same pattern in terms of like just ripping from the headlines you know making singing about headlines from and they don't have to even in this case they're less i think they're even less specific than they were in the first verse the first verse was more of like what laura was talking about the stuff he was seeing in the la times and back at the his hometown newspaper uh, about the gangster disciples but the second verse is more generic more general it feels uh what are your thoughts on that laura 
Well, I mean, I, I think you're right, Jason. It just, this feels like just almost like the rhythm of the news cycle or something, right? Where it's just, okay, here's more and more and more coming at you, right? Just the unrelenting bad news. And, um, mm -hmm. and I think I'm curious, Alex, if this verse contains the lines that, that made you feel that this is, um, maybe not progressive thinking. I mean, that's what occurred to me that line sister killed her baby because she couldn't afford to feed it. Now we're, you know, and we're sending people to the moon. Well, I mean, that's not really a forward thinking comment. It reminds me of something, you know, my grandfather would have said or whatever, you know, it's not, not like, whoa, my mind is blown. You know, I would never. We hadn't that, sent right? anybody to the moon since 1972. <laughs> I checked on that. Okay. Point taken. It was something your grandfather would say. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, again, this is not earth shattering um, thinking, I don't think, but it, it is, it does feel to me, and I think it's also the, um, the rhythm, you know, it just feels like boom, 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 like all this is just coming at you and you just don't get a break and now there's a hurricane and then somebody died and then they're, you know, it, it's, that's what I get from it. it. It's almost like feels like piling on. It does. He's he's piling on the shit, basically. Like, oh, you want to you want to talk about AIDS and and gang gang murders? Let's talk about hurricanes. Let's talk, you know, natural disasters that nobody can really, you know, control. There's we have no control over hurricanes and tornadoes and things of that nature. Um, and you know, poverty, just just general poverty. That's he's talked about poverty before. I mean, a little bit, and you know, in America, America from uh, around the world in a day. He didn't talk about poverty in anti-Christian, but that's kind of like another really example of, of Prince doing the uh, ripped from the headlines style um, so singing, songwriting. Alex, what about you? What do you, what do you think about it? Uh, I would say again that this, uh, you know, it's very interesting singing and, and you know, even putting aside the, the individual lyrics, just sort of the overall cumulative effect is interesting in a number of ways. I mean, Laura's sort of comment about it being a dystopia, I think captures it well, but even sort of irrespective of the, the meaning of each individual line, just the overall impact as a listener is really, really powerful. And to me, it's not even necessarily like the literal meaning of the words, but sort of what they evoke. Um, I'm probably wholly wrong about this, but the Hurricane Annie uh, ripped a ceiling off the church for me evokes the Beatles song, Eleanor Rigby, um, you know, because there's a church and things like that. So it, it, I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but it sort of caught it sort of brought me to that. So I thought, you know, so but to Laura's point about, you know, so I guess we get to the, the political progressive or not issue. So I wasn't thinking of that line in particular that Laura mentioned, but I do think that that line is, you know, it's it's relatively superficial. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to be too hard on it, but it's not sure it's not the most. Uh, sheerly, it's probably, you know, one of the least original sort of pieces of lyric in the song. Uh, the one that sort of I thought was unprogressive was uh, my cousin tried Reaper for the very first time. He's new in horse in June. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I was for marijuana decriminalization then as I am now. And it's been entirely proven that, you know, marijuana crime, you know, laws fall, disproportionately affect communities of color. And I consider, you know, the notion of, of marijuana as a gateway drug 
then and now is an extremely uh, retrograde political position. It's scientifically inaccurate and it's like sort of ripped from the mouth of Ronald Reagan, basically. Um, so, so that line, uh, I, that to me uh, was unprogressive and that pretty much fit into, you know, around the world in a day, you know, America, uh, the song America essentially, you know, again, being, you know, ripped from Ronald Reagan, basically in terms of, of uh, you know, communism, uh, you know, being this huge threat to the United States and things like that. So that's where it sort of, for me, evoked that. Again, not to be too hard on it, because I think that the song is fantastic. And I credit him for, uh, you know, I would say this, it's like, like we said at the beginning, it was very quickly created, this song. It's not like he labored over these lyrics in all likelihood. And I just totally credit the man for just throwing things out and trying new things. And it didn't, maybe it all didn't necessarily work perfectly, but it's like he, as with so much else, he was doing something that other people weren't doing. So that's the overriding takeaway, even though I realize I'm being sort of nitpicky about a lot of this. Um, no, no, it's fine. And honestly, I wanted to offer another opinion on the, you know, the line about, my cousin tried reefer for the very first time. So I'm I'm with you uh, in terms of decriminalization of marijuana. I also agree with you in, on that in, in general. So, and with that said, I think a lot of times, not maybe in 1987, because I really didn't have an opinion on it. I was much too young to have an opinion on um, casual versus illicit drug use and, 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 know, and knowing the uh, intricacies of, of how it uh, affects um, black communities or what have you but since then since i've become an adult i and i listen to the song now i think of it maybe a little different way and it could be just because i want to think of it in a different way because i don't want to believe that prince was trying to connect the dots between uh you know casual drug use marijuana use equals illicit drug use uh, nine months later i i don't <laughs> i never really wanted to believe that that was try what he was intending to say whether or not he was that's not what i wanted to believe so how i've always kind of interpreted that and because he throws the months out there the, i think the september to june is a really important piece of that because i think one way you can interpret those lines is to think of how just how quickly uh, a drug addiction can take hold like an illicit drug addiction can take hold and so somebody's just doing casual drugs or just you know whatever partying drinking going out having fun in september but once you get a taste of, you know, that, that, that drug that, uh, you know, whether it's crack cocaine or if it's heroin or whatever, whatever it may be, it doesn't take long before that can really take hold of somebody and, and turn their life around in a negative way. And saying that it took less than a year, September to June, uh, I think is a good way to think of it from that standpoint, if you're wanting to, if you're wanting an alternate take on those in that specific line just how quickly and how devastating it can be for somebody to become addicted to an illicit drug like that. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Does anybody have any thoughts on the Hurricane Annie? Uh, any um, interesting theories of why he called it Hurricane Annie? You Alex, know, anybody? I, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I got don't. theories, but... <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, of course, there's anti-Christian, and that was, you know, some say representing the Antichrist, and of course, ripping the ceiling off a church and killing everyone inside would be follow along those lines. I don't know, but it 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 also could have just flowed well. I mean, Alex, you've written songs, right? I mean, sometimes words just flow well if you pop them in there. So, uh, you know, he could have said Camille or something too. I, I you know, who knows? Um, I don't know if I don't know if it's worth reading a ton into Hurricane Annie being any Christian. Yeah, I, I mean, whether or not it is or isn't, I just wanted to see if you guys had any interesting theories behind it or any thoughts behind it, besides the obvious anti Christian. Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes back to, you know, sort of what what is emerging uh, for me somewhat in this that, you know, most of Prince's songs, I think the lyrics are are somewhat impressionistic, at least in part. And, and I think Laura's absolutely right. The phrase Hurricane Annie just sort of sounded interesting coming off the tongue. It is an interesting line, right? Again, the way these lyrics are strung together in these you know, sort of lines where there's a lot of words stuffed in each line is just very, very interesting to me. You know, words are like as a writer, you choose a word, you know, you labor over a particular line and, uh, you know, for an interesting word. Um, you know, I used to be in a, in a poetry class a long time ago with this like really, you know, sort of high level poet teaching the class, you know, people would circulate their poems around and, and, you know, there'd be a lot of critiques. And at one point, uh, you know, someone said, oh, this is an interesting word in this poem. And the teacher would say, you know, look, if you write a poem and you came up with one interesting word, that's good. You know, in other words, if we agree as a class that your whole poem is a fucking piece of shit, but there's one good word, that is a triumph, a triumph of sorts. And in the word, you know, Hurricane Annie is an interesting phrase. Uh, and there's many, many interesting phrases in this song, uh, which in some cases have uh, a political meaning. Or, or a current event meaning, but I think he's selecting them um, much more for their value as words. Uh, I mean, disciples is an interesting word. Uh, so I think, you know, what it's like he, there's plenty of articles about gang violence and, you know, a strength of this song compared to something like Living in the City. Sure, it's not as uh, politically trenchant, but it's like those songs are so literal. I mean, you know, using the word disciples is sort of somewhat irrelevant to the topic, but it's an interesting word. You know, it comes, it's an interesting sound. So it's like he's choosing the words for their sort of oral quality. Um, and again, I think that's really, really commendable. Um, and that's what sort of, that's a hallmark of his whole career. But it's interesting that he does that in this song, even though many people are sort of saying, okay, you know, what does this mean? What does that mean? He's making this big, big political statement. I mean, he did something valuable here by talking about these issues, but I don't think it's, um, you know, I still think what's interesting to me is the, the, the artistic nature of it rather than sort of, you know, the, the reportage aspect of it, not, not to discount that. Fair point. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention there is a song by Rudy Ray Moore. It's super raunchy. <laughs> it's called Hurricane Annie meets Dolomite it's from the 70s. You know, that's when Rudy Ray Moore was doing his 
uber raunchy music um and yeah that's a song so whether or not that's that's a callback to that the the two songs couldn't be any less alike in terms of content tone what have you so it 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 might just be a coincidence but i i had to i at least bring it up okay let's uh let's move on then because we finally reached the chorus song's chorus is it's silly no when a rocket ship explodes and everybody still wants to fly some say a man ain't happy unless a man truly dies oh why time so it repeats time twice okay so the chorus uh obviously all of us are old enough to remember the spaceship challenger explosion space shuttle challenger explosion from january of 1986 which I feel like is a pretty straightforward reference in the uh, when a rocket ship explodes. Uh, recorded only six months, less than six months later, it's still going to be on his mind and on everybody's the public consciousness mind. Um, just because it's interesting, kind of to talk to people who were also alive at that time. Uh, I was would have been in fifth grade, and like a lot of school children at that age, we were watching watching it on television and saw the whole thing. Uh, very memorable and uh, kind of like a common touchstone for for Generation X, Xers. Uh, anything that you guys wanted to share in regards to Space Shuttle Challenger's explosion from January of 86? Any memories of that? Yeah, I mean, I remember where I was, too. Um, as Alex said, you know, when these tragedies occur, you, you know, you it's almost frozen in your mind. And I, I was at home at my parents' house and on a break from college and saw it on the television in the li- in our library. I remember it vividly. And um, it just, it, it was so gut-wrenching because it was a teacher and, and yet, you know, there were many teachers who wanted to, right, have uh, Kristen McAuliffe's place on that flight. So yeah, it's, it's tragic, but I think, you know, it's, it's this is an interesting, line from Prince, it, it feels kind of unprince-like to me. I mean, because the idea that, yeah, rocket ship exploded and isn't it silly that people still want to fly, you know, that that doesn't, that feels the opposite of a typical Prince line. It's got a real negative, mm, cynical tone to it. Like, yeah. you know, why would you want to take a risk? And this is coming from Prince. You know, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't jive in my mind. This guy, yeah. you know, who's known for being fearless and risk-taking. So yeah, It's very, I, very conservative. Very conservative. You're right. Very conservative. Yeah, that's, a, that's really what, you know. And then, uh, you know, this, some say a man ain't happy unless a man truly dies. That, that's got re- religious connotations, doesn't it? I, I feel like that is, you know, definitely... Um, evocative of of the bible in some ways you know that you're you're not really free from sin until death i mean it's just the human condition so uh you know i feel like he may be bringing a little religion into this whole thing at this point yeah that's that's pretty much what i get from it as well um 
I don't know if Alex, you have anything uh, else you wanted to add to this, the chorus discussion? I mean, you know, this sign of the times, I think you could fairly describe as a signature Prince composition. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, probably would easily make my top 20, um, top 15, maybe not top 10, but top 15 is strong, you know, strong company indeed. So I think it's a signature composition. Um, what I'm hearing, you know, is the music again. I mean, the song builds in a really, really nice way. You know, it starts out very quiet and sort of builds up. And there's just um, the guitar stuff in this chorus kind of clashes against everything else. Um, and there's some sort of like weird synth texture. It's just like, it's musically very, very unusual which is to me like my, you know, my major relationship with Prince is just like hearing things that I had not heard musically before. Um, and this was one of them, you know, this is one of them. And, you know, it's like, this is an unusual piece of music. Great mad credit for that. And that's why it's in the top 15. It's not in the top 15 because of this line, uh, which, uh, you know, but again, it's like he was doing things with rapidity he wasn't laboring over lyrics. If we want to compare it to Eleanor Rigby, I mean, it's like that, that sounds like it was layered, labored over for, for weeks. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But um, yeah, that's an, it's, it's, it's not an interesting lyric to me, particularly, um, you know, the, the political stuff. Again, I mean, Prince is not a progressive dude. I mean, he became, you know, in he sort of at the tor towards the end of his life. You know, he started doing songs like Baltimore and started digging into Black Lives Matter. And it would have been amazing to see where he went with that. And of course, Black Muse and everything. So it's like he started moving in that direction, but he had this whole swath of time, you know, with Larry Graham and all that, where he was espouting, you know, basically, uh, you know, a really retrograde approach and, and, um, you see little hints of that here and there in some of this stuff, like with the line with the, the reefer and uh, not, notwithstanding, I think Jason, you, you really make fascinating points to the contrary, but um, this, I, I guess the overall ambiance, uh, I would agree with Laura that sort of it clunks for me sort of, Oh, the ship blows up. And now why is everyone so foolish to want to continue with the space program? It just, it, it doesn't land with me, so. Right. But the music lands with me. It's still a great, great song, but it not is. because of that line. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. It's all good. Uh, if we can't critique it, what 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 are we doing, right? I mean, we're not here just to to fawn over every single song Prince has made. So, um, I I'm with you on that. So with the first, or sorry, the third verse. Prince does something different as he often does in his third verses, uh, takes kind of a different pro lyrical approach and he's no longer just like ripping things from the headlines. Uh, I mean, he is in a way, but not in the same way that he had been in the first couple of verses. So baby, make a speech, Star Wars fly, neighbors should shine at home. But if a night falls and a bomb falls, what if you're about to see the dawn time? It, then he goes into the next lines uh, baby make a speech star wars fly neighbors just shine it on 
But if a night falls and a bomb falls, will anybody see the dawn? Time. And it seems like he's almost like um, retreating back or hearkening back to some of his old Cold War fears that he was expressing on the Controversy album in 1999, talking about those here with the night falls and a bomb falls, kind of going back to that whole fear of nuclear apocalypse, fear of nuclear war, fear of attack from foreign invaders. So it's just, I think it's just a little more of the same kind of similar stuff that he's spoken about before, just to keep going with the themes of uh, everything's shitty right now. Um, <laughs> you know, and here's some examples of things that are still shitty. Uh, we still are in a, technically in Cold War with Russia in 1987. It's, you know, starting to thaw out a little bit, but, um, you know, it wasn't. And of course, the Star Wars Missile Defense Program reference there, Star Wars Fly. I don't know what he's trying to say with baby make a speech. I don't know if it's important or not, but um, opening it up to either of you, if you have anything, any additional insights you had for this section of lines. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the one thing that, that did seem a little bit uh, interesting to me was just the phrase, see the, will anybody see the dawn? And I started thinking was, when was the earliest reference to that phrase? I mean, Prince of course, goes on to say, welcome to the dawn. And, you know, that becomes a real frequently used line. Um, and, and I can't remember what the first time was when he referenced to see the dawn. Was that, was that 1999 or? Uh, um, I remember specifically Purple Raid, May You Live to See the Dawn was in the liner notes. Okay. That, that, yes. I don't know if that was the first though, but that was definitely the first time I remember seeing it. Right. Not lyric, not in the lyrics, but yeah, the no, notes. Exactly. Yeah. It was liner okay. notes only at that point. So I don't right. know if it's the first reference to the dawn, the dawn as a concept. Right. Um, in a, in a Prince lyric, I honestly don't recall. Alex, anything from you? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I, so this line, uh, when the night falls, when a bomb falls, will anybody see the dawn? I mean, to me, that's beautiful lyrics. You know, that is just incredibly uh, interesting writing. Um, you know, architecturally just really well created. And it comes at sort of this really important point of the song and the music sort of drops away, you know, dan, dan, will anybody see the dawn? And there's basically nothing but his voice there. Will anybody see the dawn? And it's just really like powerful, evocative line. And then the drums and everything kick back in. So it's just like really, really skillful songwriting and, you know, to me, that's probably the most evocative line in the song. When the night falls and a bomb falls, will anybody see the dawn? I mean, it just like really, really works well. So I think that's um, beautiful. And I guess not coincidentally, that's the least sort of topical part of it. Um, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. in, and sort of like we, if someone heard that, those three lines or whatever, it doesn't sound all that topically limited to like 1980s developments. You know, certainly the reference to Star Wars is, is completely time limited. I don't have any great grievance with it. I mean, it's sort of cool that he was referencing it, but those other three lines are uh, just more universal. Yeah, yeah, good, very, very good point. Very good point. So at that point, then he goes into the chorus again, which has identical lyrics, but the difference between the performance of this course in the previous time goes back to Alex when you were referencing the oh why why and he stretches that out and it kind of sounds like it's a little out of tune 
his singing and that's what happens in in this chorus the singing of this chorus but from a, from a lyrical standpoint nothing's different really just how he performs it And then we are brought to the outro and the outro isn't, I mean, it's the end of the song. If you're listening to like the radio edit, but there's another like whole minute plus of music after he's done with, with the lyrics here in this outro. So it's outro in terms of like only the last grouping of lyrics or section of new lyrics. And they are sign of the times mess with your mind hurry before it's too late let's fall in love get married have a baby we'll call him nate if it's a boy so alex with the uh outro the lines here what do you like about it uh what do you not like about it um what do you find interesting about what he's saying here at the end so it's very loopy and goofy and uh that's it's very prince you know it's like who else would say this it's it's sort of it almost defies uh analysis but you know let's call him nate if he's a boy i mean it's like it's so opaque uh and and sort of funny uh and inscrutable and in that sense it's very very prince um and that that makes it great and uh you know from there we go into the instrumental outro uh you know in the longer version where some you know the guitar work there is on par with anything he's done uh you know the sort of little licks he does and the sort of percussive stuff and it's 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 like simple, uh, you know, in the sense that the licks are not hard to for a lay person to play, but they're very, uh, just very deeply felt uh, in their execution. So to me, it's like, I know, and I know we're mainly talking about the lyrics, but the stuff you get to uh, shortly after the lyrics end is like absolutely indelible as far as you know like music of our time uh you know the whole song is but that particular those passages for me with the guitar stuff are just you know where much of the legacy i would hang for this song thank you good point um laura any comments from you you know there is so much in this outro that i i love i just i i love that you know during the song he's singing time time over and over again right and then all of a sudden you get to this outro where it's like this rush of you know okay hurry before it's too late you have this kind of pressing feeling during the song and finally it kind of comes to fruition and you know unlike let's say 1999 right where prince is advocating for you know okay we're facing the end of the world let's have this you know hedonistic re reaction to it right we're gonna party we're gonna, um and but here it's so unexpected that in in the face of you know 
Star Wars and, you know, what if a bomb falls? Will anyone see the dawn? Instead, now he wants to get married and have a baby. And mm-hmm. that, to me, it was so unexpected from Prince, right? And then we'll call him Nate if it's a boy. All right, that was, I mean, that was, like Alex said, that's just classic Prince. So I I love the outro. I That's actually my favorite part of the song. So um, it just takes such an interesting turn for me. Yeah, I think anybody singing along with the song and enjoys it <clears throat> is going to at least say, if it's a boy <laughs> you know, or call him Nate, if it's and, you know the dramatic pause, if it's a boy, uh, everybody does that. I mean, how can you not? It's, it's impossible to not to kind of join him with that uh, statement because it's so quirky and, and very Prince like in that way. Um, I like the fact that he talks about n- not much time and it's not necessarily because I think it's like, a, you know, a really interesting, I mean, it's interesting, but it's not, it's not new. It's not something he hasn't done before. He, he, and I remember distinctly at the end of the B-side God, he's talking about hurry. There isn't much time. Dance to dance electric. There isn't much time. So he's been commenting that we don't have much time for, for quite some time. I mean, he's talking about how much, a little time we have in 1999 and the end of God, like, as I mentioned, and, you know, I'm sure countless examples that I just don't have at the tip of my tongue right now. And so he's doing the same thing here. We don't have much time. So why does, I mean, so he, I'm assuming he's saying we don't have much time. Let's hurry up, get married, have a baby and raise our family while the earth is still here. While, you know, society hasn't completely broken down to the point where it's unsafe to raise children or have a family anymore. I mean, I don't know, but that's kind of the, the imagery one gets when you're hearing him say, hurry, there's not much time. After singing all about this stuff that's going on in the world, uh, you wonder like if he's thinking like the AIDS epidemic is going to be the end of uh, humanity. Is it is it going to be so, because I think there's still a lot, there, 1987, there's a lot of question marks. How do you get it? Can you get it from just touching uh, uh, surfaces in you know, bathrooms and whatnot? And if it's that easy to get and it can kill you, then what's going to happen to us? Uh, are we going to be able to, um, you know, live through this? And and now living through another pandemic, I'm sure there were a lot of fears, similar fears to that uh, at the very beginning of this pandemic. You know, do we do we have much time? I, I don't know. There's still a lot of question marks. And he was expressing that, I think, in these lines. And also just making it really about, you know, bringing it back home personally. Like all of these lyrics up to this point have been a little bit impersonal. You know, he's like reading headlines, just this is what's going on, people. Here's the mirror that I'm holding up to society. But this outro, he's he's making it very personal by talking about raising a family and getting married and having a kid in in the wake of of everything that's going on and in spite of everything that's going on. That uh, is just kind of it's just interesting to me. It's interesting that he would take that approach as opposed to just you know curling up in a ball and saying <laughs> I give up, uh, which is not what he's what he's saying here. Um, so that's kind of why I like it as well as, like I said, the quirkiness about the lines and how he delivers them. So great points, Jason. Yeah. Fascinating. It's really been interesting to hear both of your perspectives. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, Laura and I, you know, as people who wrote a book together, one of the reasons it worked so well is we think like extremely similarly, you know, (laughs) not without differences that sort of complemented one another, but I feel so I'm not surprised that there's not like this great divergence in things we've said, but I feel like you, Jason, have 
brought perspectives that I really n- would not have thought of at all because you're sort of like, to some extent, like disagreeing with things I've said, um, not in some sort of impolite way, but just in a way that's like made it much more interesting because uh, the way the things you've brought up sort of politely uh, disagreeing, you know, just have made me think twice about my own preconceptions of it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it's all about. And that's really why I have guests on my show. I could just do this by myself and offer her takes. And I've done it before for songs that I really didn't think had, you know, a lot of depth to them. And it really coming up with alternate takes for a love song maybe isn't super interesting, but, um, or, you know, like a very simple song. But a song like Sign of the Times, I feel like you need to have differing opinions out there because one person's take could be completely different from somebody else's and to put that out there. And I'm just I'm just a dude, you know, I'm just a Prince fan just putting out a podcast. So I like the fact that um, we've been able to have this discussion and offer different takes because I've certainly been opened up to new new ways of thinking about the song too. It doesn't mean I'm going to change my way of thinking, but I, I do appreciate what the both of you have had to offer in um, discussing the song with me. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. And I hopefully people will get something out of it as well. Well, I doubt that. Thank you. But, thank you. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> that well, that's always the, hope, <laughs> that's always the hope, Alex. Let's not no, get out of myself. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Musically fascinating in, in spite of its, uh, you know, kind of sparse uh, production still musically fascinating, musically interesting in a way that you wouldn't expect Prince song necessarily to be, at least not 1987 Prince. So any final thoughts from either of you before we close this out? The title of the song is great. You know, Sign of the Times is a very interesting phrase. Uh, it's, a, it's a widely used phrase, but it just it fits really well. Uh, you know, it's an interesting phrase. There's a pretty well-known uh, Petula Clark song called Sign of the Times. I don't know if you knew about that, uh, but but it's, um, yeah, it's a cool title. It's a very cool title for a, a, a song and an album. So I think it was a great idea to call the album Sign of the Times as well, even though that wasn't really his first choice. You know, we wanted to have Crystal Ball, but it's a cool title. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely a cool title. And, you know, uh, Erica Thompson, the um, writer from uh, Columbus, Ohio, who's writing a book about Prince's spiritual journey, had unearthed on her blog, I think it was last year, the fact that um, the Seventh Day Adventist magazine that had been published since, I don't know, the 1870s is called Sign of the Time. Time, I think, just not times. So, you know, just we can never say for sure that something influenced Prince or didn't, but he was raised as a Seventh-day Adventist. And, right. you know, it's very possible that this magazine, you know, was something he saw at church or that, you know, his parents maybe, you know, took the subscription and got it at home. And, you know, as you said, Alex, it's just a great title. It's very interesting that, you know, it wasn't written as a title track per se, but it became the title track in all the you know, different permutations that it, it took to get to the Sign of the Times album that we know now. But, um, you know, it works and uh, it's a it's a great title. And it's, you know, a, again, it's not, you know, maybe some of Prince's most, um, you know, deep lyrics or um, I think it's all pretty much just face value kind of lyrics. But 
Um, you know, Alex has done a great job of sort of bringing in the musical side of it as well, because I think there's a lot to appreciate there. And um, yeah, I'll always love, we'll call him Nate if it's a boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Agreed. Well, okay. I think then we'll close it out here. I wanted to thank you again, both of you for joining me, Alex, uh, as a first time guest. Thank you so much, Laura, for suggesting that Alex join us. That was amazing. I appreciate that. And I always appreciate you being on my show as always. Um, maybe I'll give you both a chance to, um, again, speak to what you're up to, or maybe if just from a social media standpoint, and we can edit some of this out if you don't have anything. Laura, I know you've got a Facebook page. Um, and Alex, didn't you say you did as well that you want to maybe reiterate this point? Yeah, sure. So the group is called Make the House Shake in Facebook. So if you want to search that, it should have um, some updates on on stuff that I'm doing, including uh, an upcoming book project. Great. Got it. Thank you. Laura? Yeah, um, you can follow me at lauratbert.com. Please come on over and uh, put your email in and get on my um, newsletter list. We are um, launching a class on June 7th. We start an online course in how to live like Prince. And it's called What Would Prince Do? And um, if you sign up for the newsletter, you get a uh, freebie that asks, you know, what are Prince's top three habits and which one will change your life? So, um, and you'll also get a coupon for a discount to the course. So we start June 7th and we're going to be living like Prince this summer. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. All right. Well, I have been your host, Jason Brenninger. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Press Rewind Pod. And um, I also have a Discord. Uh, so please, if you're into Discord, it's a conversational app where you can have real-time conversations with other listeners of the podcast or just other Prince fans in general that have joined the, pod, uh, the Discord server. And you can find that link on all of my social media profiles. And until next time, thank you and goodbye.